delicious is that word. I don't play with other people's altars. If you're going to do see. porn, do it right. eBay. <laughs> eBay.org. Yeah, it is. I always pick a girl. Because I know. I always... was going to say, you got to pick a chick. Yeah, it always throws me off that we have people who are girls that are listening. It's so. Andrew's section called Pick a Chick. to the Avant Card Show, a very special episode of which a premiere podcast that focuses on the more casual aspects of our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Anything you may learn that is useful in a competitive tournament environment is purely accidental. And since I wrote this script myself, Brian can't mess it up for me. I'll do that myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, we are sponsored this week by Publix that sells limes for 10 for a dollar, and you can make a lot of margaritas out of that. And uh, so I thank them. And my wife... On the other hand, does not, because I tend to be a little loud. Um, but uh, tonight it's okay, because we're recording this very special, special episode. And we have two guest stars uh, with hey. us tonight. Yeah, we have Andrew City. See? Hey, hello. Hey, how are you doing? Where do you, where do you hail from, by the way? Uh, currently living in Michigan, but uh, lived in nine places over the past five or six years. Wow. Wow. You in the Army or something? Uh, no, just a lot of moving around. It, actually, it was only uh, five or six cities in that time, but uh, moving around within those as well. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And um, oh, we also have Eric Klug. How you doing? Hello. Got How's the name right on the first try. Where are you from, homie? I am from Dayton, Ohio. Cool. So we're spanning the U.S. up in here. I've actually been to Dayton. It's like Stepford. It is not very interesting. It's very <laughs> green and clean. Green and clean. Green and clean. Cool. And then we have uh, your regular uh, beloved hosts. We got Brian, Debbie, and Andrew. How are you guys doing? I'm all right. <laughs> wow. As excited as usual. I've been, I've been unpacking and moving and stuff. He's so I've tired he's in a different time zone. I didn't get any sleep. That sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. You know, B vitamins help. And tequila. Okay. Also sleeping. Sleeping yeah. helps, too. Well, it was my birthday, and I was busy all day, so... Yeah. Ah, happy birthday. Happy birthday. So you've been moving. So Debbie, how how are you and how is the little one? I've been doing good. I actually um, discovered today that Baby Koth likes to watch Archer. Mm. Oh my God, the best show. Well, it's the best show, but it's not exactly appropriate. There's little baby Seamus. Okay. It's got a baby character in it. Yeah, that the doesn't wee babe really help that <laughs> so much. There's also a lot of cussing and... And sex and drugs and dead hookers. So <laughs> probably not. What's the line? Uh, there's a dead call girl. And he says, no, when, when they're, they're dead, dead, they're hookers. They're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually just watched that episode. But I know at this point she doesn't really understand, you know, like words or uh, TVs or things like that. So mm-hmm. I actually just put her down in a little bouncy chair in front of Archer and she let me do my work today. <laughs> nice. Well, she's too young to know the bad words anyways. She's too young to know words, so <laughs> it's probably it's fine, but I'm probably going to have to mix that pretty soon, like six months or so. Hmm. Yeah, you might have to put some some, uh, some barn or something on there. I don't know. Just what do like, kids watch today? Elmo? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Baby Einstein. Hmm. Something uh, called Baby Einstein. Didn't they get sued because kids that watch it aren't any smarter than ones that do? I don't know. I think there was a lawsuit because they were claiming that like the IQ will guarantee to go up if you they watch it and then it wound up being false. People who believe that are just stupid. That's, anyway. that's true, anyways. So, so cool. Well, that's good. And uh, Brian, how that's are the you? IQ test. That's the IQ test right there. Oh yeah, it's the parent <laughs> IQ test. <laughs> yeah. 
And so, then, uh, uh, yeah, I won't yeah. get into what's been going on in my life a whole lot, but let's just say I'm being fed a lot of daggers. Mm. <laughs> daggers. Not the magic yeah. judge kind? No, well, the, the, my wife informs me today, or my ex-wife informs me today, that she started dating about a month ago while she was still living <gasps> oh, in the house. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh. That kind of stuff. So, uh, oh. not so, not, uh, not particularly a happy camper in that regard. No. So why don't you that just, like, stab you and put lime juice on chick. it? What's that? That means we have to find you that chick. Yeah, that what yeah. would you say the, the the model rocket oh. scientist, stripper, gamer, bisexual, professional chef, microbrewer, chef. microbrewer. Yes, I I accept that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Brian? To that you said, if you do that, you will. <laughs> you're, you're the winner of me. Winner of me. You're the winner of me. <laughs> awesome. Which is which? I guess is a an inside joke. Um, uh, like I guess it was about a year ago. Um, was it? Yeah, it was about it was about a, maybe even longer. There was a, a bounce house uh, uh, near our near where we live, and they went out of business. Oh! And my daughter got extremely upset that they went out of business. She was you know like four four and a half at the oh, and she's correcting me. It was Kangaroo. Um, mm, okay. And she, she was <laughs> extremely upset, crying, sighing, couldn't go to sleep. You know, so I figured. Well, maybe we'll dictate. I'll let her dictate a letter. Awesome. To the kangaroo people, <laughs> and so she just sat there, and I just typed exactly what she said, and it was the longest, most rambliest, most awesome wrote. letter. Yeah. I love you. Was kangaroo. it scathing? You were the winner no, it of was, me. She was. She was trying to entice them back. So she was telling them that oh. if they would just come back, then she would bounce on them every day. Yes. And, and and they would be the winner of her. And you, kangaroo, you are the winner of me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome. That'll be the subtitle of our of our episode. Yeah. So. Uh, so speaking of. So okay. So so enough enough bringing it down. I know Andrew gets really really. How really is that up. bringing it down? It's <laughs> what the model rocket scientist stripper gamer well, bisexual that- professional chef microbrewer chick is the winner of you. That's happy. That is very happy. I know well said. Andrew, though. Andrew though, gets really, really, really uncomfortable when I start talking any, when, about when I start talking about anything remotely close to this topic. Nope, which, I can't stand it. Which, which, <laughs> might, which might, in part, be why I do it to make you uncomfortable. It was, it was very convenient the moment you brought it up. I was getting yelled at to see if I wanted to eat dinner or not. So, what's, hmm. what's hilarious? An amusing note, though, uh, Ben McDowell, who's a, a judge in Tampa, who was also going through a divorce. Yeah, that's we, amusing. We, <laughs> well, no, I say, I say, I say what is I amusing. Know, I give that a little bit of background. We played at Armada, a two-headed giant, a sealed event, and we were team split marital assets. <laughs> and we got the owner of the store to agree to send half the, half the bill for our entry fees to our ex-wives. <laughs> That is amazing. So they're gonna they're gonna That's like open up, they're gonna open up the mail and they're gonna be like, "What's this eight dollar bill?" Because it was sixteen dollars for each of us. What's this eight dollar bill? Wow, that's awesome. Awesome. So yeah, Andrew, it sounds like you are just chilling. Me? Yeah, doing just yeah. Things oh, are good. Well, like, you- yesterday I went to Red Lobster and ate too much food, and then I, I lived up here before when I went to college and goofed off instead of actually going to class. Oh. And um, now I'm 
uh, school starts in a few weeks again, and I had friends up here who we went out and hung out last night. So that's cool. a lot, and I've been unpacking. That's it. So cool. We've had listener mail to ask if you ever found your pork chop. Nope. <laughs> From two or three episodes. I back. thought you might okay. find it in the move. Yeah, I, know, I, I, I legitimately thought like one of the cats had maybe grabbed it and like we would find it behind the piano or something. Nope. Nope. Someone ate it and never told me and still won't, won't, still won't own up to it. So I'm still a little upset about that pork chop. Well, we're going to press charges when we find out <laughs> who the Full scalawag was. Let's, let's have it on America's – or no, Unsolved Mysteries or America's Most Wanted? <laughs> America's Most Wanted. Because the pork chop was wanted and now the people are wanted. Doing nothing. Andrew was sitting down to dinner. The porch. <laughs> it's like the game of Clue, only disgusting because that's probably nasty now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we hope you find uh, an equal or lesser pork chop in the future, Andrew. Right. <laughs> so, anyway, I can't wait to get into this episode because we have two, count them, two special guests. Even Brian can count that high. And uh, we're very Chris excited. Chris, your fingers and your toes. <laughs> <laughs> I use my ring toe. Oh, his fingers and toes. Fingers. Apparently, he's only got one finger. <laughs> it's the one I point <laughs> to Brian <laughs> with. <laughs> yep. He can count to two with both his fingers, toes, and his pants down. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. I'll let you figure that one out. <laughs> Actually, I think then he can only count to like one and a half. <laughs> um, anyone else? New guys want to join in? <laughs> This is how it goes. We won't hold it against you guys. Just come in on the fun. So we have a uh, so we have two artists with us. Woo. And and here's why. So I had a super special idea to give presents to my co-hosts, mm-hmm. all of whom have been having a little bit of, of transition and stress in their lives lately from moving and all sorts of other things. I'm molting. <laughs> Moving, it's, molting. It's, it's a transformation. Budding and, Christian reproduces by budding and budding. scoring. Exactly. And so Brian received a four set, which I will post on Facebook right now, of Avatar of Woes. Woes. Which you can't really say Avatars of Woe. I mean, you can, but then if you write it online and you tag it, uh, Gatherer can't figure out it what it is. It won't figure it out. It's a problem. Well, you're talking about a singular card each time, so... You could probably say Avatar, Avatar of Woes. Avatar of Woes. <laughs> um, with Joey Lawrence altered mm-hmm. on there. And if you're not old enough to get the joke, I guess I'm probably going to have to post a couple links so people yes. can understand what that is. But trust me, it's funny. If you're under like... And so we can reminisce. And then Andrew and Christian each got 3D altars of their favorite commanders, which were, I believe, Andrew's was Janara. And Asura Christian of War. Brian Stoutarm. Yeah. Hell yeah. Favorite so, EDH. Yeah. The, the, Joey, the Joey Lawrence ones, you might already... Uh, there's a, one of the guys for Star City writes like a monthly review of, uh, of uh, altars, I guess, that have been done. And uh, one of the Joey Lawrence uh, foursome uh, was already up on there. That's sexy. Yeah. Oh, God, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> the Joey Lawrence foursome? I don't know. It could be Clones. sometimes the awesome, depending on how you think about it. Tiger Beat so, magazine. Yeah. What's the rating on this podcast? Uh, oh, explicit. So we a while ago that we're NC seventeen. No, let's over that. 
MC 2526. Uh, 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 I'm not even old enough to be here. <laughs> yeah, he's not even old enough to listen. Yeah, he's not old enough just, to listen. Want, yeah. We tell Andrew to put earmuffs on when he listens to the show. Yeah, I just say things. I hope I hope I'm at like the right time in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, because he's not hearing it. <laughs> he's using a specific brand of ESP. Yeah. So these cards are awesome. The uh, the 3D one I got is awesome. Yeah, I'll let you we'll let pro talk about it. The, the process. The altered the altered articles like I really enjoy reading those. I think actually more than uh, more than most of the other strategy stuff because. Um, it really, it really like I like seeing the process because it's something I can't do. Like I can, I can sit down and play, a, or build a, a, a deck, or build a deck, and I can, I can do okay. You know, like I might not be super great, but like the whole aspect of either painting a card or doing like a three D thing where like the math is in, you know, where the the three D space with all the layering and stuff like that, I can't even begin to fathom how that's done. Mm-hmm. So I really think the whole step-by-step walking through of the process is is extremely fascinating. Is they're they're really some of my favorite articles to to look through and read and stuff like that. Oh, those things are amazing! Like Trick and I have a running joke. So Trick, in case you don't know, is the editor of Gathering Magic, and he and I every night are on IRC, kind of working through and chatting about the articles. And everybody who knows me knows that I do not give a flying anything Beep. about art because I don't. I don't ever even look at it on the card. But these articles are so interesting to me that Trick always gives me a hard time for liking them because he knows that I'm such a Melvin that I'm not supposed to. And I'll, I'll be on IRC and I'll say, hey, this article is great. You know, this, I, I can't believe that he could do that with a, an X-Acto knife. And, you know, and Trick's like, what are you, turning into a Forthos? And, of course, I'm not because I, I, I still don't like flavor. But the articles are fascinating, even for someone who does not care in the least about magic art or magic flavor or anything like that. That's cool. That's quite a compliment. Indeed. Thank you. I have a couple questions for Drew. I don't know if anybody else does. How did you get started doing 3D alters? <laughs> um, well, let's see. I've been playing Magic for a long time, but most of the time I've played has actually been Magic Online uh, from Onslaught until about a year ago. Um, and uh, living in Indiana a couple of years ago, I had about 15, 20,000 cards from a different game that I'd played for a long time, the Middle-Earth card game based on Lord of the Rings, all that. And uh, I was never going to use them for anything anymore because that game's been dead for a long time. But uh, I have, but uh, I was like, wow, man, what am I going to do with these things ever? And uh, I remember back to a long time ago I read in one of my brother's <laughs> boy's life or something, something to do with old baseball cards. Uh, it was kind of similar to this. And so I was like, yeah, I'm bored here in Indiana. Let me try this out while I'm, uh, while I'm doing that. Um, yeah, so made some made a ton of 3D cards for that card game, and then a year and a half ago, finally found a play group that I could play in paper with, and so I started doing magic cards. So, were you the first one to do 3D magic cards? Oh no, no, no! Uh, actually, after I after I started doing Middle Earth ones, long before I started magic cards, I found out uh, I found some articles about uh, Sashiro Okubo over in Japan. Who's I don't know if he's the first either, but he's the best I've seen, definitely. I don't know. I think like he has pre- like I don't know. Yours are really good. I'm just looking at the, like there's a you post- posted a picture of the Gennaro one on the Salvation forums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. So my question, real quick, is how in the world are your hands steady <laughs> to do this? 
I, I can't even imagine because I'm looking at it and like in the art of Janara, if you have, I don't know if anyone's ever like looked at it close. There's these little like rocks around her and then birds in the bottom, and they're like exact. There's no look of ever think it ever even got like scraped the wrong way or anything. <laughs> and I I know that wow. if I tried this, I would just like take the exacto knife and start like shaving the card into like six thousand pieces and then <laughs> not know where to go. So I'm just wondering how in the world your hands are that steady. <laughs> um, it's just, it really is just practice and patience. Uh, I mean, I should post pictures of the first couple cards I've did because they are not that way at all. They're just butchery messes. And, uh, I mean, this, I guess the Gennaro is probably like the 140th card that I did. And so at that point, wow. I finally, uh, finally got a steady enough hand. How wow. do you figure out what the layers are? Like, how do you figure out <sighs> what the layers are going to be? Yeah. Some of it's really obvious. I can just look at a card and you can you can kind of space out the layers. And I know in some of my articles I, I stop and I, I break down what I think the basic layers are going to be. But until I start cutting and until I have a few layers in front of me, I, I never have it perfectly correct from the start. Um, it, it's experimenting with it and figuring out what I can do and should do. Um, like the, the Kiki Jiki, the last article I did, um, I started cutting a certain way, and one of the layers where uh, the flame strands attached to his ears were in a couple layers, and then ended up taking it out of that and changing it up. Um, the dragon's head, I initially had very little detail on it, but as I started cutting, I realized it needed a lot more detail, and it's just, yeah, as I go through it, I, I realize what needs to be added and taken out. So you do have a little bit of trial and error because I sent. I, oh, I think yeah, it's for both you and for Eric. I sent um, extra cards, thinking, okay, you know, if if you mess up on one of them, I wanted you to have an extra one. Yeah, yeah. And all those extra cards got sent back to me. So obviously, <laughs> you're for anything. So sorry for underestimating your skills there. <laughs> Just in case you so mess up. had you, you already those? Had you already done Janara and you'd already done Brian Stoutarm? Uh, no, I'd never done either of those before. Wow. I don't get it. I don't get how, I mean, I obviously I read every one of your articles from front to back because, you know, I'm editing them. But <laughs> I still, like, even when you go through your process of this is what I think the layers are going to be, I still frequently can't figure out how to figure out what the layers should be. Other than the obvious of the picture of the person has to kind of be in the foreground and then the background has to be the background. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing. Wow. So uh, I've had a quick question. What was the most difficult card you've ever had to turn into a 3D altar? I'm going to guess it was Child of Alara. <laughs> Which one? Uh, child, child, child was up there for sure. Uh, child was miserable, and I actually turned <laughs> down. I believe three people contacted me trying to commission Child, uh, and each time I said, no, no, I can't do it. It's, I, I wouldn't be able to make it look good. And finally, I gave in to somebody. Um, and so Child was very difficult. Um mm. But I'm, but I ended up being very happy with the result. But the warp world I did was definitely the hardest. <laughs> it was not an enjoyable experience. I actually stopped cutting for months because I felt like it was a commission by a local guy, and I felt like I can't work on any other card until I finish this one because it's been so long. But I don't want to work on that one, so I'm just not going to do anything. Oh it's my god, awesome. I know exactly what you mean, and I'm definitely not going to gather right now to look up warp world to see what the art looks like. <laughs> it's on yeah, that site. Uh, yeah, I can see it. It's pretty intense. I'm oh, looking at the. It's on alteredcity.blogspot.com, listeners. Wow, yeah, that doesn't look like a fun one to do. Did you make that into an abacus life counter? Yes. That's yes. pretty damn awesome. Speaking wow. of, what is the art on Warp World? What I don't get it. Um, it's like a wormhole thingy? She's, I believe she's flying over the city, and uh, she is changing she, the city beneath her. There's yeah. a she in there? Yeah, yeah she's I never flying. noticed that person until now. <laughs> Oh! I actually look at art too. 
Now is it? Is that Ron Spencer? Oh, now I get it. There's a chick and she's flying and she has a hand with a thing. And, and then <laughs> I've got a real quick follow-up question. To that is there a specific artist from Magic that like someone asked for that card and you already know it's going to be remotely difficult or like or just more difficult than normal? Um, like, is there any artist that you like? I don't know. I imagine that a Raymond Swanlin with all the spikes might be, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Raymond yeah, Swanlin is, is, is tough. And it's interesting because there are parts of his art that are really easy and really good to do, and then other parts uh, like on the crash that uh, were not. Yeah, they were just kind of messes, and I wasn't happy with how I was able to pull it off. Um, yeah, I, I unfortunately I don't know artists well enough individually to to know that the style is going to be terrible. I know some of them that are going to be great. Uh, for instance, old Quentin Hoover art is awesome. wonderful to work with. The, uh, the thick lines that he puts around everything mm-hmm. make it really easy to differentiate pieces and layers, and it's great yeah. to card. The first card I ever did from the Middle Earth card game was a Quentin Hoover card, uh, and I, I did a whole bunch of Quentin, old-style Quentin Hoover art. He had, like, a so cool style. To work with. Like, yeah. It was like a pen and ink kind of illustration style rather mm-hmm. than, like, a painting kind of style. It was almost like comic yeah, book, yeah. only more... like. Uh, but yet, he, his his pieces were, like total compositions like rather than just like a a, a photorealistic painting you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah. it looked like art nouveau kind of stuff he's really yeah. good the the zoom and doppelganger was definitely one of my early favorite arts um, yep. and uh, just because that style yeah. i like the one that um i can reveal it now because sheldon uh stood us up shame on you sheldon <laughs> but i actually commissioned a feldegriff for him because he said that was one of his favorite <laughs> commanders mm-hmm and I still have it, so if he ever wants to actually come up to Orlando, he can have it. But it looks really, really cool because it's a go, cute Sheldon. little purple um, thing with wings. <laughs> Possibly hey, hippopotamus. I don't know. I don't look at the art. Possibly. I don't know this. So, so you like it a lot, but you haven't ever actually looked at it? That's what you're I look at it. I just don't look at it closely enough to know, like, I'm not looking uh, for characteristics to see what species of animal it is. It looks like possibly a purple hippo with wings, but I don't know. But it looked really cool. I'd say you're drunk, yeah. except that is what it is. Oh, is that, is that exactly what it is? She got lucky. Yeah, yeah you got lucky on that one. I got lucky in that it is an actual creature, like earth creature. We have it here. On Earth, is, is so, there? A, it's not like a. It's not like up thing, like an Oofy or something. Or what is that? Whatever there. I don't know. There, there. I don't know. I just know there's one from like Lorwyn that you sack. And it it's not an. Flyers. I don't know. A tog a tog. Yeah. Which looks really cute. I like it. You're not implying that there is a real, actual purple flying hippopotamus. No, but there's creature. purple things. There's hippos and there's things with wings. So I, I recognize all <laughs> yes, of the elements to the creature. <laughs> I still don't know what this atogatog is, but it's very cute. You sack other an atog is uh, or an atog is uh, something you sack things to, and it does something. Like there's you know, a, but like the actual thing here, it looks like a little it's... lizard with punk rock hair, and it's very cute. But it's in atogatog, a... you sack atogs to it. Yeah, it's kind of got a mischievous little grin. So what's the uh, what's the most expensive card that you've ever three D'd? Um, I'm currently working on a series of uh, the five Praetors, and each of the Praetors, the, the cards themselves are not that expensive, but in the background has been replaced by the corresponding guru, guru basic land, uh, and so just those individual lands add on $50 to the cost of the card. Oh, wow. Um, so, so those are 
those are the most expensive I've done for that. But if you exclude the Guru Lamb, then actually the Kiki Jiki that I just made uh, would be the most expensive because I, I believe I used 70 copies of Kiki Jiki on that one, maybe eight. The listeners don't know because I edited it out, but I think I edited it out. But last week, um, or last episode, last podcast, Andrew and I got left alone. And so the only magic related thing we did was said Kiki Jiki like a hundred times because <laughs> it's funny to say. And I thought because you're trying to put actual magic content in the last, the last show. No, because Brian, Brian said something about, well, he had to leave, but first he said, he said Kiki Jiki his deck and then he was like and then I have to go and then I and then Andrew and I were alone and I was like hey I want to play Kiki Jiki because I like to say it and then Andrew's like that sounds like a tongue rooster let's see how many times we can say it fast Kiki Jiki and then it turns out that you can say it a lot of times fast it's actually not that hard so then we'll try to see how many we could do nothing good ever happens when it's just me and Debbie like me and Christian Uh-oh. will talk about magic and me and Brian will talk about magic but when me and Debbie are left alone <laughs> nothing beneficial nothing is going to happen accomplished. brings up the worst in you it's true, I do. That was actually um, my question for you about the uh, altered cards. Um, do you ever mix cards? Like you said, you put a different card in for the background. I was wondering if you if you had uh, done that before, but I guess I guess you have. Um, it's not something I traditionally do. In fact, the Praetors are the only ones I've done that for. I know some other people who do the 3D altars really like to mix things up, whether it's just the background or all sorts of things. But yeah, it's not something I traditionally do. It's just the person who commissioned the art requested that. So yeah, that's the way I went. Does anyone that, you know, have ever put like a piece of one card into another? Like, I don't even know because clearly I don't look at the art, but here's a good example. Like a little, a tog little dude, the, the, uh, the lizard with the punk rock hair. Has sure. anyone like ever put him in with Jace or something? Like he's about to eat Jace. <laughs> uh, not that I know, but uh, I'd like to see it if they have. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> nice. Oh, like the um, like the pictures in Harry Potter, how they can move around in the picture frames and like visit each other. <laughs> they should do that. I would start looking at art. <laughs> if, that, if that were the case, <laughs> so it was like fine Waldo around in the car while we're playing the game. <laughs> That would be amazing. Make puppets out of them, and they have the, the arms moving. I'm wondering if there's if the technology is ever going to get to the point. Oh, I hear baby cough crying. I wonder if technology is ever going to get to the point where a flat magic cardboard card could have a moving picture in it, hmm. like they do in Harry Potter. I've always and, wished magic uh, minority was like report a hologram game. Like I could like play the card, and then like the image would like a crawl worm would come out of the card. Pretty cool. <laughs> And be sitting there waiting to bat. I don't know. That's just one of my... Don't they have a game where you use the eyesight or whatever uh, camera for the PS3? Uh, and a hologram? The game is miserable. Yeah. Oh. It sounded <laughs> cool. But they did have a game that does that, right? Like it animates things yeah. on top of the card that's in your hand? Uh, it animates like it on reality. the TV sitting next to you. Yeah. So then you're, you're looking at yourself in the TV holding a card with this animated dragon moving around on top of it or something? Something like that. Sounds like it would be really cool. Oh, sorry. No, go. I was a better question. It's not even like altar related. Do you ever the like? Do you just play casual magic, or do you ever like venture into like uh, FNMs and stuff like that, or do you even go further than that with like PTQs and GPs and stuff like that, or is it just like a casual play with your friends kind of thing? Uh, Personally, I play Commander Thursday nights. Uh, That's mostly what I play online. I used to play a lot of Prismatic and Legacy. And uh, occasionally I'll do an FNM. I'll, I I just became a judge a couple of months ago, and so if I judge the midnight FNM on Thursdays after Commander, then I'll often play in that with a borrowed deck. Yay! I didn't know you were judge. 
Wow. Indeed. Yeah. Just recently. Just in time to get the foil bob. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think I got that in the mail. Expensive. Hmm. Someone <laughs> called dibs on it already, though. <laughs> what about Klug? Klug, do you play competitively? Uh, yeah, I mean, I used to. I, I The last big event I played in was actually last year's Worlds. And I was playing on the Korean national team. Whoa. <laughs> cool. <laughs> because uh, I spent a year in South Korea, so I was able to qualify at their nationals. Uh, and then before that, I've cool. played on the Pro Tour once. Um, but these days, I'm just so busy with work that I tend to only, you know, um, cube. And uh, I just recently built a commander deck. With a, with Altered? What do what we decide to call it? Alterist? Alterers. <laughs> with altering work or with other work? Uh, with altering work, yeah. Mostly. What what was that like? Because I know that there was a period of time where I was like PTQing and stuff like that, and uh, it was it was more of a grind. But did you just kind of like show up to the nationals one day, or were you playing a lot at that time? I was, yeah, that was probably the time in my life where I was playing the most, and I was just grinding standard and grinding booster drafts, and really kind of understanding the format. So um, no, I was probably practicing for at least eight months up until nationals because I really did want to qualify. Um, I mean, that's not to say that uh, Korean Nationals was on the same skill level as, say, like a U.S. Nationals. Um, I would I would more equate it with like a larger PTQ um, okay. because they, I mean, they have a lot few, uh, far fewer players than the U.S. Yeah, that's just interesting. I don't know. Like, it it seems like it'd be a pretty because I know when I was doing it, I did it for like six months and then I just gave up because it was too much of a grind for me. So. Uh, now I've got a question about the work you do. Um, how long? Like, if you sit down and you have a like for extensions, or even where you could put a completely new character onto the card, how long does it take you to finish the product or whatever? Uh, I'm averaging between, uh, I'd say, like four hours right now per card. Um, certainly more for the more in-depth work, but uh, yeah, four hours is like a good baseline. Why don't you uh, break it down for uh, the listeners and tell us uh, what you do? In, in, in your terms, and, and kind of a, a high-level overview of, of your process. Sure. Um, well, the, I guess my signature right now is, is not really the extensions, but more uh, kind of like putting characters or pop culture references on top of the cards. Awesome. Um, so uh, what I did Editing new content is, in. Exactly. Kind, kind of what uh, Dev was talking about, about inserting you know people into the art. Cool. So you um, would put an Atagatag into a Jace? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. Um, Sorry, yeah, that question's so for him. <laughs> the first, first thing I'll do is um, do, like, a mock-up of the card in Photoshop, um, and that just gives me a visual to work from for the rest of the process. And uh, then I'll prime the card, because you kind of have to have a, a blank canvas to draw on. And do you, sometimes do you prime only a piece of the card? Like, do you prime out something, like leave and leave the background in? Yeah, if I'm planning on just putting in a character, I'll try to just lay down a general like silhouette, a shape of that character. Um, and and what I end up when I end up doing is after the drawing is down, I'll clear away that primer with a with a toothpick. Gotcha. Yeah. Does it, does it does it dry or 
I mean, like when you say you clear it away with a toothpick, do you have to do that before it dries, or can you do it after it? Yeah, it kind of. Um, yeah, it doesn't set completely, so you can chip it away. It's dry to the touch, but it's not completely set. Cool. Yeah, it's kind of goofy. Because <laughs> I've always, I've always kind of wondered, like, especially like when you work with really expensive cards. I'll say like Force of Will and cards that caliber and up. Um, like how. How careful are you? <laughs> like, because because I, I got to think like if you screw something up, I mean, are you are you responsible for replacing the card, or do you have people sign a disclaimer that's like, you know, I might completely, totally mess your stuff up, or do you just paint over it? Or yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess if you can just scrape it off with a toothpick, then that's that's one thing. But um, yeah, there's, like, there's plenty of solutions to kind of making mistakes. Uh, there's the toothpick thing where you can. You can scrape away paint. You're not going to get back to the original surface of the card, but um, you can definitely clear out mistakes to the point where they're noticeable. Um, then you can also paint over. And then really my mindset is if I screwed up a card so bad that the client wasn't happy with it, I would happily just uh, you know do my own thing on that card and then replace their card and, or you know do their commission. So uh, I don't keep think the I'm card. Ever, yeah, I don't think I'm ever like, you know... In a place where I'm not going to be able to fix the the problem. And I think that most of us have read the article, so I don't think we have to ask what the most expensive card you've ever worked on is. But what was it like altering a Black Lotus? Oh, shit. It it was really excited. I mean, uh, the thing was I had a huge queue leading up to that piece. And so I was uh, just kind of like fervishly trying to get through work so that I could start working on the Lotus. (laughs) (laughs) Does it does it when you're working on something that that's that expensive? Is it like do you get more of an adrenaline rush, or <laughs> is it is it you know or is it is it more is it just another job or is it something like okay now this is something really really you know really really serious? Let me get my game face. It's like a two thousand dollar canvas. <laughs> yeah, that's <is> true. <laughs> it's, it's just um, the challenge of the the altar is what gets me excited. And uh, it's that competitive nature for magic that really transitions over to painting. Now, now something something that I guess I've, I've always had as, and I'll say philosophically, a problem with altars are, especially especially the ones that are really, really expensive, is because a lot of these cards are tournament-viable cards, and people want to take them and play them in tournaments. But you have the issue where... You know, if the card is altered too heavily, then, you know, the head judge might disallow it. And if you've got something like a Lotus or a Mox or something like that, you know, you really don't want to be showing up at the event and the head judge being like, eh, no, that's, that's disallow not Disallow it. Yeah. So what, what steps do you, or, or is that a concern for you? Like, when you get alteration requests, does the guy like, I want this, hold on. <laughs> but just altered enough? It's, Delicious is that word. Okay, sorry. Um, um, Wait, is, you find is, altered cards delicious? Yes, uh, Lauren just came in. Like edible like, paint. What's this word? Um, the, I guess the question is when you get when you get commissions, do they just tell you what you, they want, or do they say, okay, keep this card tournament legal, or like? Um, well, I guess I'll start with uh, what the DCI policy on altered cards is. 
and it's it's really ambiguous uh, or really um, yeah, it's just hard to to interpret. the The DCI policy says the card has to be recognizable, and that's it. It doesn't give any guidelines to what makes a card recognizable. And so hmm. you hear a lot of people say like, uh, the art has to be kept intact, or the name, or the casting costs, or the power and toughness, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the DCI policy doesn't stipulate any of those things. It, it just says that the head judge has final decision. Um, so, I, I mean, I make people aware to that fact that if they want to play a card in a tournament, they should probably have an extra copy just in case the head judge vetoes the altar. Okay. As, as far as uh, the older cards go, um, I definitely make sure that the person who's who's purchasing the commission is aware to that. But I also think that the vintage and the legacy community um, are they're a little bit more open to kind of uh, making making uh, unique cards available to the tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a whole culture of, of vintage is pimping out your deck. So I think when it comes to vintage tournaments, the judges are more lenient in letting alters into the tournament. Uh-huh. So I have to ask, do you guys have totally pimped out decks? Like, do you have altered decks and foil decks, or do you just have regular decks that you play with? Uh, what I tell people is that kind of like, I don't play with my own alters because... It's like wearing your your band's T-shirt. <laughs> it's totally. Bad. I would do it. I'd be yeah. like, "Yeah, mother, I drew that." <laughs> That's just me, though. And people dislike me, so. <laughs> but I was actually considering altering my uh, my new commander general, and that would be the only alter that I've ever played with of my Who's own. That? Which one? Um, it's a heartless Hideksu. It's a mono red EDH. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, I totally know that guy as I go to gather. Well, how would you alter it's it? It's the guy where it's like tap to lose, uh, each player okay. loses half their life total rounded down? Yeah. Yeah. All right, spell mm-hmm. that one. Heartless. Oh, it's, uh, it's probably the only card with yes. Heartless. Okay, Heartless. Hidetsu. From Kamigawa Block. Uh, yeah. I got so, okay, so what are you going to alter it to? I, I mean, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound so... <laughs> So arrogant, but your ex-wife? Uh, no, I've been do- I've been doing a lot of uh, portraits for friends, mm-hmm. and uh, I I thought it was only appropriate to just throw my head right on top of the heartless today. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so um, now you said that you don't like playing with your own alters. Do you ever go to other artists who alter and say like I want this card altered? Is there something I can do for you, or do you ever purchase alters from someone else? Or do you like, like is barter? there like barter? Like barter? Is there like a hey I've got. I'll do something for you if I really like your work and you really like mine kind of thing. Like a barter. Yeah. Drew, Drew actually saw it this weekend at Gen Con. Um, the only altar that I really own is a 3D card from Akubo from Japan. Um, and that I acquired that. Not sure. Akubo from Ohio? <laughs> no. <laughs> Which card is it? Um, it is a Merfolk of the Pearl Trident. Oh, wow. Also I not just... going together to look that one up. 1-1 one, one for blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, one of those I mean, old cards, but with good art. Whatever, that's, yeah, that's kind of a testament that the, the art is really just all I was wanting out of that altar. Wait, which um, one is it? Merfolk, what? Merfolk of the Pearl of Trident. Of the Pearl Trident. Pearl Trident. Which it's art? It's been like, is that right? It's the Tony Dieterlizzi art. I'm not sure which that is. It's like yes, fourth, fourth Se- edition. Seventh maybe? edition is that? Uh, sixth. <laughs> Gatherer says seventh. And starter. Oh, Gatherer says all editions. No. 
no, no, it's, it's portal, the, the portal version is the one that he has, though. The yeah. fourth okay. which one? Portal. The, the circle at the end, the big the disc looking thing at the end. Yeah. See, the Andrew portal. knows how to tell me, tell me stuff. It's the circle <laughs> at the end. Click on that yeah. <laughs> you put it in Debbie terms. So what? Uh, so what is it altered to? Or no, this um, is a 3D one. Yeah, this is a 3D one. Oh, and, and sweet. Yeah, he just does amazing work. So uh, I ended up um, getting a translator while I was in Japan to kind of barter a trade of one of my alters for one of his. Oh, that's awesome. You had a broker. I had a broker. An alter broker. Hey. Awesome. What did you give him in return? I gave him a, um, I can't remember now. It was a um, Sphinx of Lost Truths, I think, a, a painted Sphinx of Lost Truths. So, Andrew, uh, I awesome. guess you probably don't play much with your altars because they're probably not legal or accepted at any, in any tournaments. <laughs> but do you <laughs> that, play with true. other people's altars? <laughs> Um, I don't play with other people's altars. Uh, there's a couple of guys at the store who have some stuff, but I, I haven't had, uh, I haven't seen much painted altar stuff. And uh, I, all of my commander decks until recently had my own 3D commanders, um, so I guess I am wearing my own band's t-shirt. But uh, awesome. yeah, I, I've, uh, <laughs> I, no, I don't have that. altars, and I, I don't like foils either. Yay! <laughs> Someone else who doesn't like foils, it's a miracle. <laughs> so why don't you like foils? Uh, mostly it's just because I like consistency. Like I would be okay with a fully foil deck. God, but I, love this guy. I don't. I don't want to be <laughs> half and half. Oddly enough, the reason I don't like foils is because I like consistency, and I would be okay with a fully foiled deck. But I don't like to have foil in among my non-foils. <laughs> oh yeah, I've traded valuable foils for non-foil versions, just one for one, just so I could get rid of the foil version. <laughs> okay, this guy is actually me. <laughs> with a voice changer thing <laughs> to make it sound like a dude. Because <laughs> I have also traded foils for non-foils. Let me let me ask a phenomenon There's that two I've of you. noticed uh, in in alter the anime girl on basic lands. What's what's uh, the deal with that? Oh, do it uh, with dude in the Seinfeld voice. Right? What's the deal with anime <laughs> girl on basic lands? <laughs> What's the deal with that? Mean, I mean, it's not quite porn, but it's not quite... <laughs> you know? Oh. Awesome. I love really the uh, mastermind. Expl- what? Yeah, you want an explanation? Uh, you want to feel this one, Luke? Explain yourself. I mean, it's got to be the uh, the community, right? I mean, the, the majority of Magic players are male. A lot what? of them enjoy anime. Well, you can't argue that the majority of Magic players are male. Oh, no, I, I make that argument all the time. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Nobody no, I do. It. I make that. I make that. Cause I, okay, this is a completely tangent. But So I make the argument that when you're writing about Magic, that you should use, when you're talking about a hypothetical opponent, that you should use the male pronouns. Because, let's face it, pretty much all the time you sit down at the table, you're going to be across from a guy. And so there are some female magic players out there who think that it's it's sexist or you know it's it's setting a bad precedent or that we should you know we should use the female pronouns to kind of bring attention to the fact that there are female players out there. But I happen to think that since the reality is that most of them are male, then that's the way that we should talk about them. And so it's kind of something that I end up having to deal with in editing for magic. Yeah. 
So. I, I asked I asked the question about the the anime girl, and then I had to go live the Samuel L. Jackson story. He go, <laughs> go with Lauren. Go the fuck to yeah. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That is the best. She's just just in her bed yelling and screaming, Daddy, I can't go to sleep. I was like, well, if you're yelling, then of course not. (laughs) It's because someone's yelling in your room. She's already already been in here in like the span of like 15 minutes. Can I have some water? I want to tell you I love you. Hey, can can I watch some TV? Can I read this book? What's this word? And it's just like... That's the best one. Is I just wanted to tell you I loved you, Daddy. Yeah. Oh. How, how do you get mad at that? And they know. Oh. They know. Oh, yeah. They AKA, know. I don't want to go to sleep. So Little yeah. bastards. Yeah, little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've actually got a question real quick. Is there ever anything on the subject of like the anime girls? I don't really care for them, but is there anything you felt like uncomfortable painting onto a card and said no, or there are there's just really no boundaries? You just don't really mind? Um, or would there so, ever be so- a... Like are any sacrilegious? Someone approached me at uh, the Indianapolis Invitational for the uh, Star City Open series and asked me if I could paint a Nazi on a zombie token. What? Oh, for um, Call of Duty uh, Black Ops. Yeah, so at at first I was kind of like, uh, I didn't have all the information because I wasn't aware of that game at the time. Yeah. And then he was like, no, a zombie Nazi. And I was still kind of like, uh... And then he's like, from Call of Duty, Black Ops. And then I'm like... Oh, yeah, there's a level where you have... Where your enemy are these this, these throngs of of, uh, of zombie Nazis are the bad guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I would I would be okay with that. Know. It's a game reference. But uh, I think if someone wanted me to paint straight-up Nazis on a card, I'd probably refuse. What if... It, so, would you would just refuse, or they would have to pay you a lot of money? <laughs> I would refuse. You would refuse. So, is there anything that you wouldn't do for your normal um, rate, but that you would do if somebody paid you a lot of money to do? I heard he will not paint David Letterman on a card. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> that is not true. Okay. I've got because there's there's a there's a guy over in in Tampa who used to do uh, uh, as a he might still do it as a professional gig like furry porn art. Mm. Oh, that that's would, right. Yeah, wow. that pe- that he would like paint it up and like people would get it framed and laminated and hang on their walls and stuff like that. And it was some really <laughs> de- I'll say deviant stuff. <laughs> so I mean, that's do, you, what you'll do, say. You, do you ever get requests where it's like? Do you ever get requests for furry porn art? I have not that's a gotten request. <laughs> well, can I be your first? <laughs> <laughs> I want a squirrel. And it needs to. No. Yeah. So do you get do you get porn-ish Token. requests because a squirrel like, and a woodchuck? Do you get porn-ish requests because obviously there's a lot of crossover between like, I mean let's face it, a lot of these magic cards are just this side of porn. So. You know, surprisingly enough, I haven't. I think uh, everybody, you know, if you want porn on your cards, your best bet is just to go to eBay. <laughs> oh, are yeah. there some on there? Oh yeah, there's. If there's, you go on eBay and you type altered cards, seventy five percent of your results are going to be anime girls on cards, missing tops, missing. Really? Yeah, they're not even well done. I mean, come on, if you're going to do. If you're going to do porn, do it right. eBay. <laughs> eBay.org. Because I know, I know that when I first started looking for altered cards, I didn't. I knew there was a place on Salvation you could go, and there was a bunch of really good artists and and stuff. But I just, you know, I eBay and I typed in altered magic cards, and like all my results were just. 
Like, I was like, I wouldn't even want that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's like, it, there's too many crappy ones on there. It's drowning out the good ones. Oh, you're right. They, oh, that's awful. Yeah. Why? They're not even good. I hope they don't sell. I mean, well, anyway, I have a question for Mr. Klug. Yeah. How, how many different Jace Bellerins and or Jace the Mind Sculptor, how many different Jaces do you have? Do you know the total of how many there are? Because I see like 16 of them right here in front of me. Oh, did you see my blog post on, on those? Uh, I am on uh, klugalters.blogspot.com. Plug, K-L-U-G, yeah. alters.com. Dot blogspot.com. <laughs> and uh, there's... I did six. a blog post last month. There was 24 of them. 24 of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, said that that's... Well, then there's... there's. Oh, okay. There's probably maybe 30 total. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's 24 that I... Decided to post. Is that mastermind? So, yeah, I want to. I want to ask, ask Drew, Drew uh, a question. With like Jace the Mind Sculptors and the expensive cards like that, because you need a lot of cards in order to do these three D things. It's like, true. Yeah. How yeah. So, many, how many do you need? I already know the answer. Uh, it varies. <laughs> it varies based on the arch, but I've used between five and nine. I only use five on one card, so really six to nine is the number I generally. Because that ends up being the number of layers you have, right? Um, layers, or uh, just the amount of if it's something that needs a whole lot of details cut out, then yeah. Okay. Now, I guess I guess same same question same question from uh, from Eric. Although I guess you can't just take a a, a toothpick and like. Just rub it a little bit and be like, there, 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 all better. I mean, when you make a slice, you, like, how much of, like, sitting and planning and prepping do you do for some of these expensive cards so that you don't make a costly mistake where you're like, oh, I really shouldn't have made that cut there? Or how well can you recover from an oops? Um, I try and do as, as much planning as I can, especially on expensive cards, but... Uh, and I also will start with further back layers so that if I make a mistake, I can salvage it and use it on a further forward layer and I just have the cut be a part that doesn't matter. Oh, uh, it, cool. But it, but it generally doesn't happen. I've gotten to the point where I can make my cuts and not really worry about it. However, um, like on Kiki Jiki, uh, I, I talk about at one point in the article that I started to cut out his nostril and it looked kind of choppy. I didn't like the way it was going, and so I used I cut it out of a different layer, and the part that I was cutting didn't matter because it was going to be behind something else anyway. Right. Um, so it, the 3D medium, while it uses a lot of cards, can also lend itself to... Um, it, it's okay to make mistakes sometimes because of that. Just like with a toothpick, you can scrape off paint, you can just move your layers around a little bit. Uh, now... I, Occasionally, I can make a mistake on a further forward layer and have to grab a new layer, but uh, I don't know. I don't know, Clue, how much, uh, how often you make mistakes at this point that are are serious, but I imagine it's not that often. Is that right? That's that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> how? Yeah. How often? Just at, at this much experience, it's not going to happen that often. Right. right. How how often? Because I guess from from an alter card perspective uh you can you can play it in in a deck however you know with a with a 3d card you can't exactly put it in a sleeve and shuffle up um and shuffle that into a deck and have it and have it not be a a a marked card how so i'm assuming most of the cards that you get are the most of the requests that you get are generals for edh decks right that is true yes okay do you get like what if out of your not out of the non-edh general card requests that you get what type of requests 
rewards do you get out of the non-general ones? Yeah, for the non-general ones, it's typically just somebody's favorite card, and they just really want to have it 3D. About half of the ones that are just going for their favorite card want it to be a life counter, uh, and then the other half just they love the art, and they want to be able to have a 3D copy along with the 3,000 copies of the card or whatever <laughs> they have, want to, want to have the special version as well. Uh, so, yeah, it, it varies, but I, I almost exclusively get commanders, but, well, I would say... One in ten requests are for a non-commander card. Yeah, because that's really a, a, a one-card showcasing kind of format. EDH is. Yeah, yeah. I can I can believe it. So I'm gonna. And it's nice that oh. you can actually use it then, where other unless it's a life counter, it's not gonna have a natural display that can happen. Yeah. I'm actually cool. gonna rewind a bit. So like when Andrew does when Andrew uh, not me Andrew. Does his? What? I mean, you're not talking. About <laughs> I'm not talking to myself here. I'm not talking to myself. When he does his, it's pretty like he doesn't. He, there's not really weird requests he's gonna get. He's gonna want a certain card made 3D. So Eric, when have you ever had a? Uh, this is coming up because I was looking at your at your blog spot, and the weirdest thing I've seen Kinky. is the Stephen the Stephen Hawking Jace. <laughs> what is the weirdest? Is, like, what do you feel was like the weirdest thing you've ever been asked to do, or like the the strangest alter? First of all, is that Schrodinger down there? That is Schrodinger, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Did someone request that? That's Yeah, that was a request. That was at the same event that uh, the Stephen Hawking got commissioned, actually. <laughs> that sounds like a cool event. Yeah, the, uh, I'm sorry, the back portraits, to Andrew's question. The portraits are kind of a, a new thing to my repertoire, and they've definitely been the more bizarre alters that I've had to do. Erwin um, Schrodinger... Uh, the Stephen Hawking, the Avatar of Woes were very bizarre. <laughs> no. Albeit that was no. a weird, a weird oh. request. Oh, Debbie, was that your idea? No, oh, that yeah. was actually that was actually Brian's idea. Well, we were this was probably like eight months ago or something. We were playing, and he said he, he announced that he was casting Avatar of Woe, and he goes Avatar of Woe, Whoa. and I laughed. <laughs> and he said, oh, did you get that? And I said, yeah, Blossom, right? And he goes, one day I want to get a, a set of altered Avatar of Woes with Joey Lawrence on them. <laughs> and then I remembered that like eight months later when I was thinking about presents. And there you awesome. Go. You know, some guys like anime girls. I like shirtless, <laughs> shirtless teen heartthrobs. I had a big crush on, on shirtless washed up ex-teen heartthrobs. What's her name? Miriam Balik. Miriam Balik. She's on, uh, she's on uh, The Big Bang Theory now. That is, that's true. So people nowadays know who she is too. Yeah, but they don't. They have no idea that she was ever Blossom. They know her right. as what the hell's her name? Amy Farrah Fowler. Fowler. Is that right? Yeah, her. Amy Farrah Fowler. Could be. I think it is. Sheldon's hey, girlfriend. Hey, I have a question for Klug. Yeah. Uh, what? Um, mediums do you use? Are those, are those acrylics or oils or what? Uh, the paint is uh, a liquid acrylic. Yeah. And that's just, um, there's three kinds of acrylics, heavy body, soft body, and liquid. Okay. And liquid, it's just a smoother, more consistent paint. And then uh, for outlining, I use uh, just a permanent ink micron. And Andrew, I, don't, uh, I know we talked a little bit about your process, but we didn't ask you what exactly do you use. You, I know you use an X-Acto knife, and yeah, uh, X-Acto knife, and then I use some brush pens to do the edges because otherwise you've got you can see the inside of the card, the blue and white 
from where the cuts are, so you have to color that in. Uh, oh, true, then, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the rest of it's tools. I use uh, tweezers occasionally. I use Q-tips to uh, clean up any glue smears that get on visible parts of the card. Um, and Do then, you have magnifying glasses, like to to look at really small detail stuff. Uh, I don't. No. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I haven't tried. <laughs> That's that. the answer to that question. It's been you something know, I've considered, but never gone for it. The, the and then art- actually after oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say in reading in reading the articles, I think probably the I'll say the coolest piece of tech if, if it was the getting a black pen to like color the uh, the the white edges of the card. <laughs> so you didn't I, see the white inner. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I've I've made like a few very 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 basic life counters where I cut like art out of this card and use this card mm-hmm. frame and stuff like that, and you know that was one of the things where it's like uh, I I had a, a you know I didn't really like the the white showing and when I read that article when I read that in the article I was like that's brilliant <laughs> you know and then at the same time it was just like you just color it you know that's, <laughs> it's 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 one of these moments of just like aha that uh-huh was moment. really yeah that was a really neat uh, uh, revelation so I have a question for both of you guys um, and you can answer whoever wants to answer first what is your general cost for altering a card I'll go first I guess uh, my price right now is 60 per alter and this is and Eric yeah that tends to be a, a flat rate um, unless someone wants I don't know the 16th chapel painted on their card that's cheap um, yeah I mean uh, I'm not greedy <laughs> it's just you know it's a it's a price that will sustain uh, my living right now and this is, of course, in addition to the cost of the card, right? Yeah, that's right. They provide the card. Awesome. Um, yeah, so. That is really cheap for the quality of work. Thank yeah, you. and I can say that if it if I had to paint, like, the, of course, I've only seen the Joey Lawrence's, but if I had to paint that, it probably would take me, like, 40 hours per card. So I can't really do the math, but I think that would be, like... Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not to say that my rates won't go up in the future, but uh, right now it's it's kind of a balance between what my time's worth and competing with the rest of the altered community. Now, the question is, are you willing to give a dollar off if people say they heard about it from Avant-Garde Show? <laughs> oh, you're, putting, <laughs> you're putting him on the spot. Hey, I think that's a that's a fair thing. A dollar. I think it's fair. A dollar. We'll reimburse them for each each time. I, I will give a dollar off if if you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In the back of his head, he's like, "This guy, this guy's an asshole." Ask me this awesome. question. Awesome. <laughs> now, Andrew, that means you have to step up and make the same offer. That's right. <laughs> that would be fine. <laughs> so what are so what is, are your general prices, Andrew? Um, right now I'm charging 55 plus the cost of the cards, uh, which can be as little as, uh, $2 for all the cards I need up to $75. So it, it varies quite a bit because of that. Um, yeah, but how many, how many cards do you cards, need? And then if I'm going to do a life counter, another 10, because it takes a lot more time and then some extra supplies as well. So for both of you, do people generally send you the cards or do they generally just ask you to purchase them for them and then, and then alter them? I always have some them send me the cards because uh, it's just a nice, it's a good way of making sure people are committed. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Right. Oh, the, the serious in, inquiries. Yeah, I mean, if you're willing to go to the post office and send me a card through the mail, that you know, that generally means I'm going to get payment from you at the end. Yeah. 
That would make sense. I almost always order the cards myself. Uh, a couple people have sent the cards to me, but in general, because very few people are going to have... Well, yeah, most people aren't going to have, like, a set of right. nine of a card. And so they can order it cheaply and then send it to me, or I can order it myself and save them on that part of the shipping. So, yeah, generally they have me order it. Oh, we appear to have breaking news. Breaking oh, news? Uh, breaking news from Brian. <laughs> uh, have either of you, being honest, done a card with a, uh, a, to- a topless horse? Honest, a topless unicorn jumping topless out of unicorn. cake. That's horrific. Who <laughs> <laughs> would do such a thing? With large boobies. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. And by yes. nightmares, he means happy dreams. Happy dreams. <laughs> I would love to hear the story behind the topless unicorn busting out of the birthday cake. Uh, birthday cake. There's no way that unicorn could fit in that cake. That is a tiny, first of all, tiny cake. Well, I guess yeah. unicorns are I'm magical. Gonna call, I'm going to call bullshit on that one because there is. It's like the TARDIS. There's plenty of room in that cake. Yeah, there's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> How did they fit in there? Um, let's see. Let me look at that art. I hope so, a bachelor party was So I have involved. not done an altar of that. I, that's not to say I haven't drawn one. <laughs> um, what happened was... Uh, oh, what was? Yeah, what happened was... Well, I was, I was at a friend's house. School. I was in art school. I have a BFA. I graduated in 2008. Um, I had a friend who was a painter who decided to draw a painted... Paint a unicorn busting out of a birthday cake. A topless <laughs> unicorn. Yes. And uh, I really like the piece. Um, so I was kind of like, I wonder what that would look like in my style. So A likely story. <laughs> this is by you? That is by Merely a I did not realize this was by you. That's fantastic. <laughs> so I guess I never really asked that. Andrew, do you have a formal training in art? Or is this something you just picked up? Oh no, no! I just I uh, also I almost hesitate to call myself an artist because I don't feel I'm that way at all. I, I, uh, I often say pretty crafts. I, I say craftsman because I was. Uh, yeah. I was going to say um, I would disagree I, with that. I think that that's definitely art. Like um, when I grew up, because my family is, uh, were were artists, and um, I grew up. Uh, my mother was a uh, artist that we would go to art shows all the time. So when we were there, there was art shows and there were craft shows and there were shows that had both and. But but you can't call uh, yours a craft, I don't think, because it's it's like elevated to the form of an art. So I I think it's well, it has to be because a craft is like a craft is you can do something by the numbers and get it and and put it together. But this just the being able to look at a card and figure out what's and imagine in your head what is going to look good and then create that. That's totally Mm -hmm. an art form for sure. And 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 plus, it, uh, a crafting. I think um, people can put things together, and I think less talent is involved with craft than with fine art. But with yours, it's clearly it's not approachable by somebody that doesn't have talent. So that's why I think it's a it's more of an art. Yeah, we all disagree with you, sir. So at you, no, I'm <laughs> that's, that's too bad. Uh, the point of my articles is hoping that people can approach it. So I'm. I guess I should stop wasting my time. <laughs> no, I think, that, I think there's people out there who are going to be able to do it, but let's just be honest. I think there's people out there that no matter what, they're never going to – like I absolutely would never be able to do what you do because I would never yeah. be able to look at something and envision, okay, you know, this is how this is going to look as a finished project because then you have to figure out what to do to get there. You have to have that vision first because you can't yeah. – unless you feel like cutting up a thousand cards and just playing trial and error. You know, you have to have that starting vision, and that's definitely an art. 
I think some people define craft as uh, the focus is more on the material and the process rather than the the finished product or whatever. So, I mean, if you could think of it um, that way and, and then it's not, you know, there's because there are crafts that are as impressive as fine art. So, I mean, so, e- either one is, yeah, is probably When good. I say craft, I don't mean it uh, as a lower level than art by any means, just a, a different approach. I have a question to get it, to get it back to the I guess the the original question of cost, uh, Drew. If I wanted to commission a three D art of a card of a this naked unicorn, well. of a naked unicorn <laughs> busting out of a birthday cake. Um, so what, if we commission from Eric eight copies of a naked unicorn busting out of a a cake, and then we gave them to you, Andrew. Could you 3D alter the naked unicorn? I suppose I could. Actually, people have been bugging me to work with a painted altruist for a while to to combine the 3D and the paint. Uh, so maybe this is the way to do it. <laughs> this is finally found. Ding! Yay! There we go. It's it's like a it's like a YouTube mashup. Um. So so what does so it was it was. Sixty sixty dollars for a uh, an altered card. What the painted is, what altar. Is the, the, sorry, the painted altar. What uh, what is it for the three D? It was the fifty five plus uh, ten for a life counter. Oh, was it? Yeah, okay. you might have been gone for a second. I I might have I might have had Lauren. Um... Yeah. So we have a we have a couple listener questions, and then well, we have one listener question, and then we have some listener um, altered art that was submitted but before we really wrap up our conversation and you guys are welcome to stay on with us but before we really wrap up our conversation with you um andrew how can people find you and order art uh you can contact me altered city c-i-t-y at uh, gmail.com or you can find my articles on gathering magic and there's a link in there and you're on the twitter too aren't you uh it's true you tweet (laughs) Occasionally, not very much. I even tweeted at him one time, telling him how impressed I was. Well, you must have been drunk that night. <laughs> and Eric, how can people reach you? Uh, you can reach me at eaklug at gmail dot com, or uh, yeah, I'm also on the Twitter klug alter klug underscore alters. Awesome. So we have. I think, Brian, do you have a, a listener question? I do, but... Oh, and Brian, we actually have three judges on the show today. Oh, really? Who's the, who's Andrew. the third? Andrew. Andrew um, just became a judgy person. Uh, really? Not our Andrew. No, I... Well... <laughs> I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> I don't, I don't I'm too lazy for our that. Our Andrew's yeah. too lazy for that. I think it wasn't that one. Really? Uh, where did you test at? Uh, at... Alpha players here in Grand Rapids. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So our question is judge related. It says uh, it's from Eddie. I can't say Chung. Chung. Eddie Chung. Chung. And he says uh, he has a question for the awesome and lovely hosts. As a judge in his commu- as a judge in my community, I take it to ensure all of our players play fairly. But one day I was sitting beside a game, and it was obvious a new group of friends had brought their kitchen decks from back in the pl- back in the days to play. Player A had old Alpha Beta cards, and I saw a mock Sapphire while he was shuffling up. Player B had some Time Spiral event deck. I was watching them for a while, and they're obviously still playing with a combination of pre-6th edition ruling that tap creatures don't assign damage and post-6th edition ruling damage on the stack. What should I, as a judge, do, or 
what should I, a judge, or in other terms, a senior member of the community do? He does, uh, I don't want to jump in and say this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, because they're obviously still playing their own game of Magic and are enjoying it. But I also want to gear them to be ready for when they play Magic with other people in the store. Okay, so so this is this is a situation. So first, Eddie is a a, a recent L two uh, up in Canada. Uh, met him at Atlanta. He is when we have told the story about Debbie getting time stopped during a game of EDH. Uh, Eddie was the one who time stopped her. So I, I think I think really <laughs> what it, <laughs> <That's laughs> it is. It's not it even is. true. Yeah, it is. You okay, you're right. It's totally trying, true. We're taking too long. So I guess the the basic thing is when you when you're talking about people playing at the kitchen table, people play with house rules all the time, and if they if they want if they know if they are aware of what the rules really are, and they're opting instead to use pre sixth edition rules, then that's fine. I mean, it's it's really not that much different than someone playing EDH with a with a house ban list or playing that you know generals are super legendary and. And, and not applicable to the legend rule, or uh, maybe they decide that you know uh, blue taps for red, or you can't play blue, or something like that. As if if they know what they're doing, then it's fine. Just let them be. Leave them. Leave them alone. I mean, it's casual. If you don't think that they actually know the difference, I mean, there's really no problem with it's like, hey guys, uh, I couldn't help you know notice that you're playing X. Um, you know, you're playing. You're playing with that, or you, did you did you know that they changed that stuff recently? I mean, that's not a big deal. I mean, and it, it's not necessarily a judge thing. It's just if you if you go to a store and you are considered one of the, I'll say, the leaders in your community uh, at that store, and you see, and you see players doing the playing this way, they might not know, and you can you can approach them in a in a friendly manner, or maybe even sit down and play a game with them. You know, and be prepared for them to be using these crazy house rules, and you just you know, you ask, are there any house rules that I need to be aware of? That kind of thing, and they're like, oh yeah, we play, you know, uh, the old legend rule. Oh, okay, good to know. Um, I wasn't prepared for that. Maybe let me switch my deck. You know, something like that. I don't know. Does anybody else have any suggestions? I kind of went on that for a while. I think I would just kind of like ask them, like, I would, sit, I would not come up like hey do you guys know the new rules or not but i would more it would more be like a um sit down and talk to them and then like oh hey i noticed you guys are using the old rules like while they're playing their game and then if they say what uh, old rules are like what do you mean uh then i would probably explain and just to then andrew would just call them idiots and say, That's <laughs> yeah. what my dad does call them fools <laughs> so, yeah. yeah my dad calls me a moron when I do that so uh, <laughs> oh, no, no. I, would, I would be like more like a, um well you know the, the rules have been updated since then and i would i would inform them on it and that way, if they ever did want to say, hey, let's join in a game, like Brian said, yeah. they, or like he said, whatever, that they could feel like they're, they understand what's going on. But if they're like, oh, yeah, we know the rules. We just enjoy playing like this, then... Yeah, it definitely comes down to whether they know that their rules are different and they choose to play them differently, or if they actually have just never, you know, have just been playing in their own group so long that they haven't really found out that the rules changed. And that'll, that should guide what, what your advice if they know, it's going to be tough for them to play with anybody else outside their group. Like, we had so many house rules when I started that it was really a, a bummer to, to play, you know, because we, we banned um, counter spells and X damage cards. And no hint to Torak. You got kicked out of the house if you play that. So we got used to an environment where we didn't have to worry about 
control mat or about uh, about counter spells. And but then when we but then it's part of the game, so I was kind of like at a handicap because then you have to play, you know, seeing if somebody has two blue up, you have to know that that's a possibility. So so it's good for them to probably you know be able to be able to do both or maybe call in the beginning. That's what I would say. I I also think probably one of the one of the uh, the issues is that player A was running mock sapphire and player B was <laughs> running a time spiral precon. You know that that right there, you should probably, um, or at least those guys themselves should probably be like, that's a little one sided. Oh, I thought I you meant like time B. walk. I thought. Yeah. I don't know. Time uh, uh, spiral. <laughs> time spiral. Because I mean, that's that's <clears throat> not going to end well for the time spiral player. No. Ever at all. Yeah, that's. Um, so unless they're playing for like anti and he lucks out or something, because you know they're playing pre sixth edition, they're playing old rules, so maybe anti cards are <laughs> are allowed. Anti up. Uh, yeah. I mean, if if in our in our current play group, if someone shows up and people have showed up with. Moxes and lotuses and stuff like that, and they've sat down with guys who are running, you know, more recent event decks, and or a, or a mono red minotaur deck. Yeah, or a mono red minotaur deck, and you know, afterwards because they've sat down and they've played with us, and afterwards I've been like, all right, um, you know, after a game or two, it's like, all right, well, um, we'd like to play a game that lasts more than four or five minutes, uh, <laughs> or a game in which we're allowed to actually do something. Yeah. Picky. So, uh, would you would you mind playing another deck? And if if most of most of the guys are like, yeah, okay, because they've they've made their point of winning, you know. Because I mean, really, really, that's what it boils down to. When you when you sit down with an alpha beta deck and you're playing an a, a, an opponent that has like, you know, incinerate dot deck from that they that they picked up uh, out of like a bulk commons. Uh, Ben or something like that, then really the only thing they're doing is they're just going for the win. They just want the wins. And, you know, if you approach them in that, it's like, okay, well, you've got that. Can we play a real game now? Normally they'll oblige. So you're saying with that type of person, they just want to win for sure. So once they have a good win, then they're more... Well, I think Open I think some, sometimes like the first the first game might simply be just a, a mismatch of expectations. You know, like... The guy's bringing a gun to a knife fight, and he didn't know that it wasn't going to be a gunfight. You know that kind of thing. Right. And so the first game, I can understand if there's a a, a mismatch of power level between the two decks because hmm. expectations weren't set. But the second game, if it still goes on, then it's like, well, wait a second. You know, only one side of the, only only one side of the table's having a good time here. So. Hmm. Uh, uh, you, you probably want to adjust that or pair that guy up with uh, with an opponent that's more uh, appropriate. <laughs> and if he does, and if he doesn't, and if he doesn't want to, well, then he's just really he's just trolling for the win. Right. That's all. So to want. get so to get back to Eddie's question, then probably the best thing to do with someone who appears to be playing with different rules would be to maybe sit down and play with a game with them and make sure that they know that they're playing with different rules because that is really going to determine what you're going to do whether you're going to say something yeah or... i would i would think so cuz if or find yeah find out find out if they in whatever way that you feel is appropriate given the people find out if they know that they're playing with uh with old rules um 
because because I mean, if they do, if they know that they're playing with old rules and they know the current rules, then there's no problem because it, it's right. casual. You know, make yeah, it up. You should do whatever you want. Island home doesn't exist. My sea serpents are awesome. <laughs> um, it's a pretty good house rule. That is. Then those cards is. become mediocre instead yeah. of completely unplayable. Awesome. Do we have other questions on uh, from Facebook? We don't. We have some uh, some listeners some submitted. We have some listeners submitted alterds, and then we have some shout outs. So, Eric and uh, Eric and Andrew, we can get you to take a look at these too. So we have from Philip Heckman. We have some altered cards that used to be other cards, and I don't know what they look like to begin with because oh, they were Photoshop. things like like Squadron yeah. Hawks. And I don't know what a squadron hawk used to look like. Don't tell me that. I really don't. <laughs> well, don't. I'm assuming there was probably a picture of a bird on it. You're a judge. <laughs> Several birds. There, there are things that make me so upset. I am. What you say? As we were, as we were discussing recently, the card being recognizable generally involves its name being apparent, and that's enough for me. What about that one altar with the with the the hottie with the, with the um. Oh yeah, that, that's probably my favorite on the page so far. <clears throat> Pretty hot. <laughs> so we have we have three from Philip Heckman, who did a. Uh, He's very prolific. Do? Yeah, he did a Journey to Nowhere, which is a door to nowhere. And uh, again, I don't know what the Journey to Nowhere art actually looks like. <laughs> Brian's like face. Although palming. I do, I do have I think sixteen <laughs> copies of that card, and I play sixteen copies, and I don't know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the card. Now I, I see why you guys fight over jars. He's so talented. How did he like? He does everything. I, I know. <laughs> he writes haikus. He, he writes cards. So we have from jars default, We have six mana lakes that he altered, which are pretty cool. I don't know if you guys, Eric and Andrew, are seeing this as well. Yeah, I'm looking at them yeah, right yeah. now. Again, I don't. I don't know what the art used to look like. They're almost the same. He just he just extended to it and stuff. Pretty cool. Um, we also have one from Aaron Duvall, who is our Aaron, mm-hmm. right? People that Aaron? people that listen to the first season know who that is for show. Sure. Yeah, the the OG, the mm-hmm. OP, the original podcast. <laughs> original player. Um, so we have some from him. I'm not I'm not a good one to comment on these because I don't know what the art used to look like, so I don't even know if this is a filter or if it's just extended art. I don't know. The, so the, the most go. of them are extended uh, extensions, yeah. I think. Christian or Andrew, you guys go ahead and, and take this and the, one. And you can really tell a good um, – like he does really good um, of the extension alters. And uh, what I think makes a good one is when you can't really tell whether it's been altered or not, you know, because the idea is to have it seamless. And so I think he does a good job at that. Yeah. I'm going to – the, when, when Debbie got the Joey Lawrence ones and she gave them to Brian at the uh, the pre-release for M12, I think it was, um, I had a hard time believing that, Eric, that you didn't just take a piece of paper that was like that and just like glue it on there because it looked like <laughs> it hadn't even been painted. It looked like the card was printed like that, so that was impressive. Yeah, the th- paint was really thin. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's that's definitely the end goal is kind of you know making it as seamless as possible. So that somebody has to ask, did now did Wizards print the Joey Lawrence card, or was this an alter? Yeah. Is he a friend of uh, Richard Garfield? Could be Joey it's Lawrence. Possible. So, do you paint them and then do the uh, the um, marker over it, 
You said you use uh, Prisma colors, or what did you say? I Prisma? use a um, yeah, just a permanent ink uh, micron. It's like micron. a very fine sharpie, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just use that for outlining, so that you make things more crisp. So you do all the paint, and then you go in afterward with the uh, with yeah the marker with the pen with the pen. Yeah, because I know when you're doing when you're doing cell animation, you do the line work first and then you do the paint which actually goes behind it on the clear cell so this is kind of like the reverse yeah I mean it's actually a little bit of both because I'll ink it first and then I'll paint and then I'll ink it again cool that doesn't make the line weight too too much in areas um no because I tend to paint over a little bit of the you know, oh okay no, yeah the original line work cool I'm getting all these tips yeah I mean I think the biggest thing uh looking at these ultras on the Facebook pages, um, the printed ones, um, that's, that's kind of a big, uh, area for controversy in altering right now. Yeah. And that, uh, if you have a, an alter that incorporates printing, which it looks like, uh, most of the ones by Philip are, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, people are concerned that you're printing actual cards, which right. of course isn't legal at all in tournaments. So, I mean, so I think the printed ulcers look cool, but uh, as far as legality goes, it's definitely an area for concern. Yeah, like I use Photoshop um, and digital painting. That's why I've never done one of these, because I would have to print it. And I, uh, if you know, for that reason, because they're not, they're not play, you know, because I could just do a Black Lotus or something. Same reason why I don't, uh, uh, we don't usually um, allow proxies uh, to be played, because, you know, exactly. it's, it's got to be the real deal or else... Everybody could just play with every card, and then you know. But in terms of just making them for casual play, I think. Oh, totally. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, they look really great. He did a nice job, just templating and setting it up. I like that door in the sky thing. Yeah. (laughs) The journey to nowhere. And the birds look pretty cool. I would play that. The squadron hawk. Mm -hmm. What are they holding? Swords of like. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Peace and famine, body and mind, and I think war and peace. Maybe yeah. fire and peace. Can't tell. Ah, I get uh-huh. it. So we have. So we had asked. Uh, originally, we were we were talking, or we we were going to have a topic of pimping your decks, and the subtopic was going to be alter cards. But then we got these two great alter alterist people to, to come <laughs> on and. and 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 talk to us. So we we didn't talk as much about pimping out decks and foils and stuff like that. Now we did have one guy who sent us Stephen Gorish, who sent us his online his magic completely foiled out EDH deck except for I'm sorry 98 percent foiled out EDH deck. I don't know if you guys saw that. That's crazy. That's an uh, accomplishment. That would drive me nuts <laughs> to play that deck. Be, with, all blind you? Car- uh, with all of those cards wiggling on the screen, it would drive me absolutely nuts. Oh, because they animate. I, I turn them off. I, I turn the uh, animation off because it drive me, drives me nuts. But even then, uh, <laughs> having that little, like, it, you know, it looks almost holographic on the screen yeah, yeah. would drive me absolutely nuts. So maybe that's why. Ooh. And that's part of his wing condition. How was there a foil necropotence? They didn't do... Uh... Foils online, even if it wasn't foil in like when it was printed, yeah. you can get a foil version in each set. <laughs> no kidding. That's why, like in Masters editions, you can get like foil dual lands and stuff. Wow. So there are there are cards that were not foiled in real life. 
Well, for instance, the two that you see, there's Counterspell, and then there's Necropotence, Necropotence, and, uh, and they're both from uh, Ice Age, I think those two artworks are. And uh, that was definitely before they started doing uh, foils. Oh, because you're, you're saying they didn't... Okay, I thought you were saying like there were certain cards that they just didn't foil. You know, there was a time period, like okay. the Alpha and Beta and all that, none of that is foil, but online yeah. you can get them foil. You can get foil they were, yeah. Yeah. When did they start doing foils? Do you guys know? Special guests? Legacy. Legacy Le- is the first one. Yeah. Hers is Legacy, yeah. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and there's actually there is a foiled necropotence. There's one from the uh, the beatdown decks, I think, and then there's also a oh cool uh, from the vault foil version now. Ah, little trivia tidbit. There you go. People awesome. learn stuff all the time on our show. <laughs> so, do we have any shout outs? Well, first shout out. I have, and then we'll give shout-outs to our, to our special guests if they have anybody they want to say hello to. Um, but we have one of our uh, old-school listeners that's been with us uh, for a long time, Phil Bon, a.k.a. Lamperouge, um, is on a four-day bike trip in D.C., and uh, he's going to be tweeting from it at, uh, at Lamperouge98, L-A-M-P-E-R-O-U-G-E, which could be Lamp E Rogue, if you wanted to spell it that way. And uh, he's going to be posting pictures and updates as to how dead or not dead I am, he says. <laughs> so uh, this is starting, um, oh, starting soon. So uh, he might already be be out there. Um, so, yeah, so um, everybody, if they want to uh, get follow that on uh, Twitter, wish him luck. I'm sure everybody's heard of him by now uh, if they listen to the show. But it's Lamp E Rouge and not Lamp E Rogue, right? Because that's spelled differently. R O U G E. Okay, so Lamp E Rouge. Oh yeah, R U G uh, R O G U E would be rogue. Okay, yeah. yeah, true. Sorry about that. Andrew, you got any shoutouts? Uh, so I've got my two. I picked two out from the people who <laughs> like us on Facebook. Cause, nice. Because uh, I, I picked someone. It's not. A, they don't actually have a real picture, but I, they they like the page, and I'm going to say Jorel Nichols. That's one. Uh, Superman's father. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I'm just looking at it. Anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, very much appreciated. And then, Sammy Ann, thank you as well for listening to the Avant Card. Is that a chick? Yeah, yeah it is. I always pick a girl. Because I know. I always... was going to say, you got to pick a chick. Yeah, it always throws me off that we have people who are girls that are listening. It's so. Andrew's section called Pick a Chick. Pick yeah, a Chick. Pick a chick. <laughs> so I have a shout-out. So this is really cool. Okay, so some of you may or may not know that I write a column for Gathering Magic in addition to editing. Awesome. And it's called uh, the Lanoir Sentinel, and it is kind of like the Onion. Awesome name. And yeah, I didn't come up with it. It's like Shocker. the Onion of Magic. <laughs> Shocker that I didn't that I didn't even know there was a Lanoir Sentinel. Oh, um, yeah, it's an older card. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Trick actually came up with that name, but uh, part of it is what I've written. Um, I would say it's probably about half and half of what I've written versus what other people have contributed, and I've you know just tweaked a little bit. So it's kind of like the onion. It's the onion of magic. And so far there have been three issues. So here's the shout out. On the last issue, I ran a comic that was done by Andrew Wilson, who is someone that we play magic with. Yeah. He did a comic, and if you guys have seen it, well, actually, if you guys haven't seen it, then I will explain to you what it is. <laughs> All right, let me go down to For those who know actually, what it is, I'm going to explain it. For those of you who don't, know what it is, I'm going to it. Okay. So for those of you who don't know what it is, I will tell you. It's a four-panel comic, and it's got Mark Rosewater. And so it has him um, drinking a Snapple. So apparently this is something that 
that uh, Andrew actually got on his Snapple bottle, I think. And he says, hmm, Snapple, I wonder what my interesting fact will be today. And it says, uh, mountain goats aren't actually goats. They are antelopes. And he says, curse you, Snapple. And then it, one year later, it shows the card mountain goat, right. creature type, one, antelope. One, one. Oh. Because mountain goats are not actually goats. They're antelopes. So anyway. Oh. It's a lot funny. Okay, okay. It's a lot funnier when you're reading the comic. As you're saying it, it's like, oh, I see where this is going. This is funny. <laughs> I don't know if I should laugh or not. The delivery is different. Obviously, it's funny. Obviously, it's obviously. funnier in, in comic form. And here's why, obviously, it's funny. So Andrew <laughs> tweeted it. He said, oh, hey, look, uh, Mark Rosewater's in a comic, and I made the comic, right? So Mark Rosewater tweeted back and said to Andrew, hey, look what I just put on my desk. And it has a picture of his cubicle with the, the comic printed out and posted on the wall. Nice. So my shout-out is to Andrew for doing an awesome comic that Mark Rosewater likes so much that he printed out and posted in his cubicle. Whoa. Exciting. Nice. It's very exciting. And I take all the credit for it. (laughs) (laughs) For including it in the article. Good job, me. Nice. No, I'm totally kidding. It it really was awesome. I liked it a lot. And I'm hoping he's going to do some more work for the series. Cool. It would be nice to have little, little illustrated panels in there. I have a, uh, a comment to uh, one of our special guests, uh, Andrew. Um, I have advice for you in your craft, sir. Sure. Um, call it an art. In, in art, yes. <laughs> I call art craft, and yes. Um, my advice. Uh, have you ever done a uh, stay away from cards illustrated by uh, Wayne Reynolds? Because he puts like dirt flying in the air of every single painting that he does. He's got like Nath's Elite is what there's this guy standing there and there's like dirt flying in the air. And and of course when he's doing the ones with Minotaurs and uh, you know obviously they're running so there's dirt in the air. But every single painting he just got dirt flecks just like flying in the air for no reason. So I have other advice. I think beware. you should. Uh, move toward doing those cards and cut out every fleck of dirt. And, and drive yourself crazy. He's going to wind up like the guy on uh, on uh, ad nauseum. <laughs> oh man! Sorry. I have had to turn down multiple commissions because of they, they wanted me to do cards that had too much water spray or dirt. Spray. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so be like, careful. Uh, I would love to do uh, what's the the five eight island walk swamp walk guy, but uh, Rex. Yeah. Rex yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to do him, but he's, there's too much water spray. It won't work. Oh, oh my oh, God. Yeah. You, you probably don't know, or you haven't listened long enough to know our our podcasts or really Brian's history with Rexiel. That would have been a great <laughs> present for Brian. Yeah, yeah. Actually, with Rexiel, you Sorry, could Brian. get away with just doing the water because how the water comes up and as it makes that wave, like the water would look like the water is like refracting because it's just, just the wave, and you could just get away with like just doing the water. And half-ass it. Nah, don't listen to me. <laughs> but anyway, be careful of that Wayne Reynolds. All right, I'll watch out. Thanks. <laughs> but this is like the best show. <laughs> this is like the best show ever. I mean episode, not that our show is the best show. Ever. OMG. OMG. So thank you guys Just for joining us. Just you got any more shout-outs? Shout-outs, shout you're back. Whoa. Whoa! Uh, hey. Shout out to uh, Jerry Lo- Jerry- Joey Lawrence. Yeah, uh, well, we're, I'm sure he listens. Yeah, big fan. 
You'd be surprised. It's surprising the people who play Magic. There's like uh, Will Wheaton and um, I got nothing else. Do you want to hear a good shout out? <laughs> it's good, good enough. All right, to prove the point. We're gonna try to get. We're gonna try to get a shout out here. <laughs> Can you hear that? Aww. Yeah. Okay, that's Baby Cough's shout out. That's Baby Cough saying it's an art, not a craft. It's an art, damn it, and <laughs> call it an art. <laughs> Do not call yourself a craftsman, sir. <laughs> You're an artist. Yeah, I'm glad we did talk about that because, I mean, it's not that one is above the other. They're both just two just different types of... Uh, Completely different. Yeah, 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 exactly. But different types of art? How would you even say it? I, I don't even know. <laughs> so They're do our guests good. have any shout-outs? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you guys got some shout-outs? I like it that Andrew um, is hungry, so he's trying to... <laughs> come on, come on, guys. <laughs> Speed it up. I got a pork chop with my name on it. So, other Andrew, do you have any shout-outs? Other Andrew? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll, uh, I'll shout-out to Art and Ryan, the other two guys who certified as judges the same time as me, who <laughs> are quickly progressing on to level two while I'm sitting around being lazy. <laughs> well, it looks laziness. like you've been busy. Well, that's cool. Uh, I would just like to uh, shout-out to all you fine people for inviting Drew Thank and myself you. onto the podcast. It was blessed. Indeed. Agreed. Cool. Yeah, great to have you guys. So, what, what do you guys want to like um, put a shout out for for the, your your hometown um, card store, or are the douchebags there? And you don't want to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I will give a shout out to Bell Booking Comic in uh, downtown Dayton. Word. Yeah, Alpha Players in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Cool. What's the, what's the one um, Armada Games in Tampa and uh, we got we play at Cool Stuff in Orlando. Trade Binder in Pensacola. Nice. The trade binder. Right. They, they, should, they should have thought of a maybe a more hard-hitting name than that. <laughs> well, there's the trade binder, and that's the one I go to, and then there's TBS Comics, but yeah, there's not really a... I guess trade binder's good. I, the, well, okay, before I, before I leave you guys, because I'm starving, the thing behind the trade binder <laughs> was he had a very big uh, eBay store on, on, e- on eBay, of course, but he was very well known on eBay for his his cards, he had always had cards in stock. He would buy boxes and he would sell the cards he got. And in the area, if you needed something, you contacted this guy and his business card, he had, you know, he just went by the trade binder. Like, you know, that's, that's, his name's Eric, but that's what he went by. And so he finally built up enough money to open a store alongside a couple of his friends. And naturally, the name that came to them was the trade binder because that's what he's gone by on eBay in, ah, in real life. Brand recognition. Yeah. So everyone in the area like, oh, there's a new store. It's called the Trade Binder, and immediately you're like, I buy cards from him. So because ah. TBS Comics doesn't sell singles, so this guy was the only one that did. So you immediately flocked to his store. So cool. Yep. Well, there you go. So, All right. Well, we don't want to keep you away from your pork chop. So it's fine. Well, I think I think we're done, right? <laughs> I, yeah, think so. I think so. Wow. Thanks again, you guys. Um, this is a great show. I'm glad you guys could join us. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome. So thanks for listening. This has been your avant-garde show, and uh, we actually didn't ramble on either on this one. What the hell? People aren't going to know. Like we talked about magic and didn't ramble. And didn't ramble on. But so there, was, there was still a Bukaki reference. Well, <laughs> that's how they'll know. That's how they'll. That's how our listeners are, are going to be sure that it's not a facsimile. I mean, we we can't really just like blow Imposters. off our base that way. I know. We alienated enough of them by talking about magic. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks uh, to our sp- special guests. 
and uh, take a look at their stuff online. Check it out. Buy it. And check out us online, Christian. And check out us online, Debbie, at uh, avantcardshow.com. And uh, we are also on uh, Twitter, at avantcard, and the Twitter. And we are on the Facebook. Uh, search for avantcard show or whatever. Or uh, Andrew's uh, lovely face on Facebook. I think that still comes up. Just kidding. Andrew, uh, yeah. What? I wasn't kidding Sorry. about lovely. I was kidding about you being able to search for that term. Oh. Yes. And uh, thanks for listening. Name. <laughs> Name. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks for listening, people. <laughs> <laughs> to the Avant Card Show podcast. Is that what you wanted, Brian? What? No, I just wanted the... Ning. Ning. <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. Oh, oh, I broke up. Oh, I fully said listening. <laughs> thanks uh, for thanks for the listening. Wink, wink. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for using Thanks for ear to, to listen. <laughs> Word. All right. Good night. It was really great. Have you guys? It was really great. Have you guys? <laughs> I know grammar. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Excellent show, guys. All right. Good okay. night.